Every week, the Orange Fizz team breaks down the five most pressing questions about Syracuse athletics. Holy cow, what a big-time defensive play! No holds barred. I pity the fool. It's the Fizz Five. Five! Welcome on in to another week of Fizz 5. I'm Ethan Frank, joined alongside Ian Unsworth. Ian, how are you doing? Well, I'm, I'm doing pretty well, Ethan. Uh, all things considered, it's been a nice week in Syracuse. The sun's finally showing its face, although we did get snow Sunday morning. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was pretty wild. happening there, but it happened. And regardless, I think that once the sun comes out, once we get some consistent 60s, my mood will be in a much better spot especially if Jim Beheim starts doing a, a little bit of recruiting work as well. I, I think that leads us into our first topic perfectly. Number one. And that is Quincy Ballard. I wrote an article about it on Friday that securing Quincy Ballard was a must for Syracuse basketball. And guess what happened? The exact opposite. Ballard commits to Wichita State. Well, that's a little weird. Over Syracuse. And yeah, I, I'm left with more questions than answers right now, Ian. I am as well. The operative thought has to be, does Quincy Ballard not want to come home? Quincy Ballard must not want to come back to Syracuse. Either that or he's going to be the starter at Wichita State because he wouldn't be the starter at Syracuse. Wichita State is not the Fred Van Vliet Wichita no, State. No, absolutely anymore. not. Let, let's be very clear about that. They're not the mid-major stars that they once used to be. They're not making a final four run anytime soon. Why? I think you hit the nail on the head. He wants those starters minutes. He's not going to get them at Syracuse. And he wasn't going to get them at Florida State. There were plenty of other seven-footers. Leonard Hamilton just hasn't stockpiled year after year. And Ballard wasn't going to make an impact. I think, honestly, he's probably the least talented of Florida State's seven-footers. No offensive game, slow-footed, not a great jumper. Like what? He's a body. He's an athletic, long body is basically what he is, which is kind of what you want in the 2-3 zone. And he just decided, you know what, I'm going to go live in Wichita, Kansas, for where I'll spend the rest of my college career, maybe. Um, a, a peculiar choice, I would have to say. But I think it's still important for Syracuse to get a backup center. I, I think Ballard would have done a good job in that role. He's got a couple inches in height on Frank Anselm, and he's from the area. So he knows what is going on and what the, you know, the mantra and the persona of Syracuse basketball is. It says something about the program, which yeah. is that it doesn't have the luster and the allure that it once used to. This kid out of high school, he's from literally 10 minutes away from the campus. He goes off to Quality Education. Uh, was it Quality Education Academy? I don't think so. He was off in some prep school in, I think in, in North, North Carolina. Yeah, North Carolina. Yeah, he was in North Carolina for his year of prep school. And, you know, prep school, whatever. But not coming back home and playing for Syracuse for what are you thinking and then florida state is a school that where you have to be a solid player from year one to get playing time leonard hamilton has seniors he has talented freshmen coming in i don't know what quincy ballard was thinking as a as a three-star recruit 
where they have plenty of big bodies. Maybe it's just he. I I keep coming back to the fact that I don't think Quincy Ballard wanted to stay in Syracuse, and it might be something about wow, this program's not good enough anymore, and it doesn't have the luster it once used to. But also, I this is a unique scenario. Quincy Ballard might just not want to be home. Yeah, I I think that is what it comes down to. It's either he doesn't want to play in a big conference anymore, like the ACC, and the ACC was too much for him, or he doesn't want to play in Syracuse. I, I think it has to be one of those two things. But talking about Ballard leads us perfectly into topic number two. Number two. And that is SU still needs a backup center. And on this edition of Fish 5, I, I think there are a couple of options who we've highlighted both online and, and talked about as well. Former players that SU has recruited when they're in high school. Um, a cook, a cook from UConn, Brandon Huntley Hatfield transferring from Tennessee are both a couple of big guys that ha- have been rumored. And, you know, Kudus Wahab was in the portal last year. He's now in the portal again this year. There are always wor- rumors swirling about that. Who do you think Ian would be the best fit for Syracuse? And, and are you still in the camp that Syracuse does need to go after another big man? I absolutely believe that Syracuse needs another big. I wrote about this on Thursday on the website, orangefizz.net. You can also find the article on Twitter. You do a little scrolling at orangefizz is our Twitter handle. The Orange are absolutely in the market for a big man. What are you going to do? Give it to John Bolajac uh, off the bench? If Je- if Jesse no, 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 no. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a hard stance on that one, Ian. No. <laughs> if Jesse Edwards isn't good to go at the beginning of this season, it could be terrible. Things could be terrible down low because Peter Carey is, is a cool 215 pounds. And That's generous. That's generous. <laughs> he also had a knee issue in his senior year of high school. He's working back from that. So right now Syracuse has one healthy center who's played maybe five career minutes at the five. And what are you left with uncertainty? So you need something to at least sure up that middle of the floor and you have to pick Huntley Hatfield as, as the number one option. Huntley Hatfield, former five-star recruit, reclassified up to 2021, which, Ethan, I'm going to hop on a soapbox for a second. I don't get why players reclassify up. It doesn't make any sense. It never helps. It didn't help Imani Bates. It didn't help Christian Lander at Indiana. It didn't help Brandon Huntley Hatfield at Tennessee. Rec- like Skipping a year of high school to go play college basketball makes no sense. And as for Huntley Hatfield's case, he came off the bench at Tennessee. But in the NCAA tournament, uh, he showed some really unique skills, something that Syracuse really has never had in a true center. And that's the ability to hit a free throw line jumper, to be agile and finish around the rim. Huntley Hatfield made a Euro step layup against Michigan in the NCAA tournament. Like, did you see Barama Sidibe whipping out the <laughs> <No>. Euro step? <laughs> no. He, he's not, he's, he is an African, so it would be like a, the Africa step instead. But like, there is no, there's no way Marek Dolajai would whip out the Euro step. And he's uh, a European. What are you talking about? You're, Marek Dolajai whips out Euro steps every game. But it was not, it's not the Brandon Huntley Hatfield well, Euro step right. of great okay. length and athleticism. Regardless, Huntley Hatfield possesses 
I think, a unique combination of skills. I, he could step out and shoot the three if he really wants to. Like, that is how nice this guy's touch is. Syracuse needs something like that because you need to diversify the offense. With freshmen coming in who've played spaced-out styles of basketball, with Joe Girard's obvious limitation, as, as well as Simeon Torrance's inability to shoot, you need to diversify the offense. That's how you do it with Brandon Huntley Hatfield's Eurostep um, and his touch. All right. Ian wants Brandon Huntley Hatfield. I, I agree. They just need someone. I don't have a name. I just want someone that can contribute 10 or 15 solid minutes off the bench for Jesse Edwards. It doesn't even have to be so like, yes, you know, let's say, you know, your starting five is Symeer, Joe, and a couple of freshmen uh, or Benny. And be, so you have then two non-shooters in Benny and Symeer. You know, maybe Benny makes a drastic improvement with the jump with his jump shot in the offseason. Then you still have two non-shooters on the floor with whoever's playing center. So if you bring in a guy who can step out and shoot, it makes a world of difference for that offense. And, and I really like the point you made about how Syracuse needs to become more diverse offensively. One other guy who can really shoot who's in the portal but has got no Syracuse interest is Connor Vanover. He's seven foot three. Um he from is where? His, he's from Arkansas, seven foot three, skinny as a sheet, um, but he can shoot and he likes to step out and and he's a great shot blocker as well. I mean, I'd hope he'd be a great shot blocker at seven foot three. The dude has arms like broomsticks, <laughs> but he, he can really step out and knock it down. And he was one of the earlier entrants in the portal. Didn't play much at Arkansas last year. However, I've heard he's a lean towards BYU. So interesting. Might have to, might have to salt that one off, but that's that's definitely a long shot. And you mentioned Kudus Wahab. Mm, like, a former Georgetown player transferring to Syracuse. Yeah, no, that doesn't sit well. It just it's it's like who's that dude? Benedict Arnold? <laughs> yes, Benedict it's Arnold. Benedict Arnold situation. I I just could not I, I feel like it'd be so tough for I mean, I don't think Jim Bayheim would even be that cool with it. Like Yeah, I agree. That's going to Michigan State in football. That's Aaron Judge signing with Steve Cohen in the Mets. After <laughs> the that's, that's what we're talking about here. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, so, yeah, those are Syracuse's center options in the portal. I would be shocked if they did not bring in someone to fill that 13th scholarship, but we'll see what Beheim has up his sleeve after missing out on Quincy Ballard. You never know. Chaz Owen still has a scholarship. Uh, yeah. Well, maybe they'll take, take Chaz's scholarship away and then they'll have two extra scholarships to work with, but they've got 12 committed for now. One available. We'll see what they do with it, but let's stay with basketball for number three here on the fizz five. Number three. And that is Cole Swider because Cole Swider was the last domino to fall in terms of last year's roster, he decided to forego his last season of eligibility and declare for the NBA draft. Him and Jimmy Beheim participated at the Portsmouth Invitational last week, and it seemed like Swider had a, a solid performance at that showcase in front of NBA scouts with other, you know, prospects was, you know, scoring in double digits. And personally, you know, I think Swider is the best NBA prospect of these three Syracuse guys, Buddy, Jimmy, and him both because you know he's the tallest at six nine, and him and Buddy are very comparable shooters. And Swider is just more athletic on the defensive end. I really hate to rag on Buddy, but he he just can't move defensively. Like he can't. 
there were times all season where players are going around him. I think Swider with some more seasoning, some good coaching being put in a system can, you know, get a, you know, hook onto a two-way deal. You see the shooters that are developed down in Miami. If he can get into a situation like that, I think he can. I think he's very comparable to Duncan Robinson. I'd agree. Duncan Robinson, uh, as the Michigan guy, what, yeah, as the Michigan guy, physically, I and you know, coming out of college, Duncan Robinson, obviously a better player, but I think physically and what their skills are, I, I'd say they're comparable. Their skills are exactly the same. Let's not go out here and say that Duncan Robinson is is putting the ball between his legs all the time. Uh, Cole Swider showed much more scoring flash than Duncan Robinson did. That UNC game was more than Duncan Robinson ever gave anyone in college. Robinson was strictly a three-point shooter. Are you looking to Swider to score in multiple ways in the NBA? No. You, you don't need him to do anything besides stand on the wing or stand in the corner. Guys make a living doing that. I mean, Robert Horry won, what, five rings, six rings? And he, he's big shot Bob. He's an NBA top 75 guy because he made a couple big threes. But uh, either- Robert Ory did a lot more than make a couple big threes. I know that, but I'm saying like, that's what he's remembered. That's what you right. That's what he's remembered for. Yes. He's big shot, Bob. He's not lunch pill, Bob. So <laughs> lunch pill, Bob, lunch pill, Bob. That's a good one. <laughs> the guy is the guy is known for making big shots. And if you can make threes, you can find a place in the league. I think the situation is important though. And I would put my smart money on Cole Swider going undrafted. Yeah, uh, I yeah, I think he signs a two-way deal uh, with some team. I I don't think that's far-fetched. And I I would struggle to think Buddy Buddy's barely sneaking into the draft. I I I see Cole Swider being a more successful NBA player than Buddy Beheim. Is that a hot take? <sighs> Not really. I I, mean, I don't think it is. I just think after what we saw the last month plus of the season, Cole Swider offers more to NBA teams in the NBA game than Buddy Beheim does because Buddy really you know, needs the ball. And I don't think Swider needs the ball as much. Well, Buddy has to be show NBA teams that he hasn't lost a step as a catch and shooter, right. which it kind of looked like he did last year. He wasn't given those many opportunities and he won't be guarded by every team's best player, but he has to show NBA teams that he still got it just catching and firing and he's not going to get the ball for five, six, seven possessions on end. And then he has to get subbed in and and drill one. That's your role, regardless of who it is, buddy or Cole. Uh, Both of those guys are going to have to be ready as potentially 12th, 13th men in the beginning of their careers. And maybe you play five minutes in a blowout and that's all you get. So they're both going to have to adjust. And I don't think we're going to see either of them on NBA rosters Elijah Hughes was a far and better, far, far and away better pro prospect than both Buddy or Cole, and he's barely, you know, staying afloat with the Jazz. So, it, I I think we'd be hard pressed to see Buddy or Cole in the league for at least three years. Now, can it work? Yes, but it's going to take a long, long time. I would say. Yeah, I I agree with that, and I I think that's it. I think they'll latch on in the G League or latch on on two way deals, something like that. And uh, we'll see what happens after training camp in the fall. But I, I think that's a good way to end our basketball discussion. And I think we should switch gears to a little bit of football talk. Number four. Because there's been something going on. You know, the spring game, we saw 
probably the MVP of the spring game. I know you were at the game, Ian, was Justin Lampson. What's something that, you know, might be floating around that's going on with him? Well, there have been some rumors that Lampson might have suffered a serious injury in practice after training camp. Um, Not good. Not good at all. Not a panic button moment because Garrett Schrader is still Syracuse's starting quarterback. Not a, not, doesn't mean he's going to transfer. Doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with the Syracuse program. Doesn't mean that any of us should be concerned about the 2022 season. I'm waiting for the butt here. I'm waiting for it. I could feel it coming. But it means there's something wrong with the turf and manly field. <laughs> there it is. Because Emma Tyrell went down two weeks ago. Justin Lamson is, you know, potentially on the show for a long time. What's going on? What I thought, it's like, how much does John Wildhack going to have to pay to get some new turf installed? There must be trip wires in there or something. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the more interesting is, you know, Lampson played so well in that spring game. There were starting to be, you know, thoughts percolating. Could Lampson compete for the starting job against Schrader because, because of Schrader's, you know, still inability to, you know, be a solid passer of the football. He'd at least push Schrader. Schrader would get his butt pressed every day in practice to be good. And it's, it doesn't seem like Robert and I and Jason Beck were going to baby anybody, coddle anybody. Schrader has said in multiple press conferences, these guys are coaching me hard. They're they're pressing me every day, trying to make me better. So I, I don't think there's going to be a lot of favoritism in that quarterback room. And unfortunately, what we saw from Dan Volari, the Michigan transfer in the spring game, not good. Uh, he threw the threw a ball a couple of times into double coverage. I, I just was not impressed. So I think there's a clear drop off between. Schrader and Lampson, and then the rest in the quarterback room. So Lampson potentially injured. That could be a huge blow to the depth in the quarterback room. So who would you have as that second quarterback in here on our fourth topic on this week's edition of Fizz Five? Beats me, man. <laughs> Jacobian Morgan. Are you, are you? Yeah. Are you a Jacobian guy? I can't say that either Jacobian Morgan or Dan Valari really had me blown away. As I said already, Valari threw the football in the double coverage. Um, Jacobian Morgan, he, he like slid when he could have dove for a first down, under threw a couple deep balls. Uh, a couple times he made a wrong read. Like, I don't know. This offense is built for quarterbacks to have success. The short, The throws are quick. They're over the middle. Nothing's complicated. It's maybe one or two reads and then you run. So it shouldn't be that hard. And yes, they're still installing the system. It's not anywhere close to done. And they probably got about 50 different play calls in that spring game because Dino said they're just going to test what works. But I still wasn't impressed. And at the end of the day, the spring game is kind of backyard football. You just go out there and see what you got. And it didn't look like Valari or Morgan had a whole lot in the tank. So Syracuse football dealing with some quarterback problems. Let's stick with a team that plays on turf for our final topic this week on Fizz 5, Ian. Number five. And that is Syracuse lacrosse, both the men and the women. It was a mixed emotion weekend. 
The men lose to UNC. The women pick up a win at CBA against Louisville. What did you see from both of these teams this weekend? Well, the men's team is done for good, correct? Yeah. Goodbye. Goodbye 2022 for Gary Gate. A tough, tough look. There are some losses. That, I mean, that Albany loss specifically is, is probably the worst loss in about five or six years for this program since that Colgate game in 2018, 2019. I think it's 2019. That would only be three years. Three years, yes. <laughs> it's, it's all right. I'm, I'm not here to do math. Uh, but the UNC game, same, same old story. You can't, can't close the deal at the end. If they play their hearts out and the defense sells them short, that dude, Chris Gray, is, is going to probably win the Twarton. And yeah. you, you, can't, you can't necessarily hope to stop him. But, like, if you let him have free reign, as Syracuse did, what are you going to do? And the defense, I don't think the scheme is bad. I think Dave Petromal is doing good things. But the talent just isn't there yet. And that's been the overarching theme for me all year is it's not there yet. Yeah, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. The fight and intensity and determination showed in the second half of that game was as strong as we've seen all season on the road. I mean, this team has been terrible away from the dome, like actually awful. And for them to come back from, you know, three, four, five goals down against a ranked team was really impressive to see. And then take the lead with 2.15 to go and, and then give it away. Fop was really strong all day, just loses a couple of faceoffs late. And the defense just couldn't hold. Um, it, it was just tough because you could tell this was everything. They laid it all out there. Curry, Dordovic, everyone, you know, Jackson, Burt Whistle showed up in a big way. There were a lot of contributions for Syracuse that, you know, made it seem like, oh, we want, we need this game. And they still just weren't able to get it done. And I think that all goes back to the talent point you made. The Spelinas are going to change a lot of things. I would say the defense is going to get better with Petro. Whew, man, it's just a tough, tough to see guys like Brendan Curry and Brett Kennedy who have given so much effort and intensity and leadership to this program go out in this way. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a gut punch for them. I think I went to that Cornell game press conference and Curry sitting at that table looked like he got, you know, it looked like he got sucker punched. And he had like, like it, it looked like his puppy died. Yeah. It, it's, it's coming to a, a real realization for these guys that it's, it's wrapping up and it's not going to end in a storybook fashion. It's one thing if you lose in the tournament and you're competing and, you, you think you have a chance to really do something and make the make Memorial Day weekend. But this is a, this is a slow and painful death. Yeah. And I, I hope Gary Gate uses it to fuel the young guys. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. 2022 is motivation for 2023. And, and I can't help but think back to a tweet I saw yesterday from Anish Shroff, who calls a lot of these games on ESPN. He said, the last time Syracuse finished under 500 and missed the NCAA tournament was 2007. And then in 2008 and 2009, they won the national championship. So maybe it is just a small hill that Syracuse has to climb before they're back on the top of the college lacrosse world, hopefully in 2023.
All right, that does it for this week's edition of Fizz 5. For Ian Unsworth, I'm Ethan Frank. Thank you so much for listening. Give us a follow on Twitter at Orange Fizz, like Ian mentioned before, and follow all of our stuff at orangefizz.net to read everything. We've got articles coming out every single day of the week. So that'll do it for this week, and we'll catch you next week on Fizz 5. And that's your Fizz 5. Listen next week. Subscribe, rate, and review. This has been an Orange Fizz production.